This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 9th of November 2022 at home in Wicklow. And it is pretty much a mental health episode. And I focus, I probably focus mostly on the idea of the difference between reacting and responding. And how to sort of look at a perceived threat and recognize that it's scary, recognize that it might be something that instills fear in us, makes us potentially feel helpless or out of control or powerless. But then to switch into a more pragmatic mode of thinking um, and look at choices and ways to respond that will help us um, and I I put that into a, a self-defense context as well um, a lot of self-defense stuff in my head at the moment because I'm teaching this holistic self-defense course so that's in the, the mix I, I have a look at an aspect of my own um, my own kind of mental health uh, patterns and just something that's come up more and more recently and I sort of look at something I want to work on for myself to kind of gain a bit more control and and try to apply that idea of like you know choosing to respond differently making different choices that are more helpful this episode was partially inspired by listening to a recent episode of the blind boy podcast which was very much in an area of mental health as well so uh, i talk about that too so so that's it it's not a particularly long episode i think i came in around the hour mark because i was on the clock i had somewhere to go i'll tell you about that in the episode as well so that's it that's what's coming up um i hope it's of interest i hope it may even be useful um i certainly found myself laughing quite a bit i don't know if that's a good sign maybe i'm just going insane insane in the brain insane in the membrane okay i'll see you around the corner bye not gonna change my mind leaving the dream behind hi my name is dara clear and you're listening to the clear out and you're very welcome how are you how are you today the sun is shining this is a nice change a nice change from recent times there's been an awful lot of rain. Oh my goodness. But the sun is shining and it's just striking the hedge in the garden as I look out the, the window in my my home studio here at hashtag blessed. The home studio, the home office, a space I share with my wife. And the sun is striking that hedge and it's just beautiful. The yellows and fading greens and golden browns of autumn are there how nice how nice for me to see that so there you are another week another week my goodness doesn't a week come in so quickly so 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 quickly but i think and again this is stating the obvious number 577 uh when you have these regular pit stops these regular markers in your in your routine there 
the, the, the effect is to accelerate the sense of time, to accelerate it. And um, that can be quite, quite disconcerting and quite unnerving at times. And for me, the, <laughs> there are different markers. I have a few regular fixtures in my week between teaching uh, different martial arts classes and rolling around to what is typically my recording day for the podcast, Wednesday. And, and it is, it's another Wednesday here at hashtag blessed. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm recording the podcast today. What the hell am I going to talk about? And that is very much, very much the case today. Um, normally, I I start percolating some ideas a day or two or three before the podcast. Sometimes something very obvious presents itself. And I just know instinctively, I go, oh, yeah, that's there's a bit of meat on that bone. And I'll be very comfortable reflecting, extrapolating um, and opinionating on that particular topic for whatever, 75, 80 minutes. And today, <laughs> today, I got nothing. I got zilch. And so this is really, this is really uh, an experiment in in disaster, in humiliation, um, in in aptitude. That that goes against what I was talking about last week when I was making a huge defence of the competence of men, um, and yet here I find myself a week on, flailing flailing about going oh my god i've no idea what the what the what the direction of travel is for today's episode and i'm on the clock i am on the clock because i was having some technical difficulties my computer my computer my computer was misbehaving and um, for some reason and this happened at the end of last week's recording when i went back to um when i went back to produce the episode and um, do the things I do with the, the the audio software, the recording software, my my headphones weren't responding, which is very, it's quite disconcerting because I'm, I'm used to hearing this through the cans, as they like to say in the business, the biz. Um, and I was getting nothing through my headphones and I didn't bother troubleshoot it last week. I just swapped over to a different set of wireless buds, earbuds, and I was able to hear what I needed there. But uh, I'd forgotten to look at it and went to record, sat down here to record about 50 minutes ago, (laughs) a very crucial 50 minutes, and was getting nothing. Um, So I finally resolved it by doing a Google search and getting directed to my Microsoft sound settings. And for some reason, the laptop, my laptop, had decided to mute my microphone. So even though the microphone was recording, I couldn't hear it. Um, why Why do computers do these things? I mean, it's so random. And I have zero tolerance for, for that, for just stuff not working. Um, it's one of my, it's really my, probably my, my top pet hate. 
I just haven't got time. That's my feeling. My feeling is I don't have time to waste on things not working because that's meant to be function, not meaning. And my obsession is with meaning, not function. <laughs> Which is why my wife wants to kill me, probably. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm on the clock because I have to go to the dentist. I'm due at the dentist in, um, in about an hour and a half. And I've been putting off going to the dentist for very boring reasons, just choosing to prioritize spending money on other things. But I had one of those very um, troubling uh, <laughs> dental, you know, oral kind of moments last week when I thought I had something stuck in my teeth and I put a toothpick in to just kind of clear it and part of my tooth fell away. And I was like, oh, man. And then I realized, oh, it's not part of my tooth. It's part of some repair work that my previous dentist had done while, when we were still in, in Melbourne. Shout out to Sandro. Hi, Sandro. I know you don't listen to the, the podcast. Sandro is a, a Maltese dentist, a very tidy, quiet man, very still, um, an, an excellent dentist. Um, how do you measure an excellent dentist because he tells you yeah you're fine come back in a year now in my case i think he was just like what's the point <laughs> and when um when my, when he first um uh, when i first brought my daughter to see him for one of her very first dental checkups um and i think at that stage my wife had been to had been to to sandro he uh he met my daughter and he said, I hope you, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you got your mother's teeth. Oh, imagine what a blow, what a blow, how hurtful. See, Sandro just doesn't understand what it was like to grow up in Ireland uh, in the, the 70s and 80s when you survived on red lemonade and cheese and onion crisps and fizz bombs, in my case, basically an inordinate number of chewy, sticky, corrosive sweets or candy, as they say in the States, or lollies, as they say in Australia. Um, and chewy stuff and then hard, hard candies and fizzy hard candies were a particular favourite. I mean, I've, I've waxed lyrical about these things before, rhapsodised about cola cubes and apple drops Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And sherbet lemons and sherbet strawberries. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of, one of my all time favorites, which I was still consuming, uh, I think, in my my early 40s. Um, dip dabs. Ah, the old dip dab. Do you remember the dip dab, do you? Dip dab is basically a bag of powdery sherbet. Sherbet powder with a lollipop stuck in it. And you remove the lollipop and suck it. <laughs> and then you dip it back in and it's all wet and sticky. And you stick it in the white stuff. And you put it back in your gob and you suck on that. And you repeat until the bag is empty. And you've got the sugar sweats. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sandro, he, he didn't really know the specifics of my... Um, 
my dietary habits, particularly in the area of sugar consumption and sweet consumption. Now, that said, he would have looked in my mouth and gone, I've a pretty fair idea, buddy. Um, but he was a great dentist. Uh, I'm sure he's still doing great death, great, great dentistry work. I was going to say he's still doing great death. <laughs> um, yes. So anyway, uh, a bit of his, Sandro's repair work um, fell out. And so I thought, right, I better, I better book in and go and meet the local dentist who the women in my life have actually been to a few times at this stage. So I'm, I'm a little bit overdue. I'm a bit naughty. I missed my, my annual checkup last year. Now that said, that said, okay, you know, I'm no slouch when it comes to oral hygiene, but sadly in my case, by the time I got my, my, my SH1T together, um, a lot of the damage had already been done so a lot of damage from sugar and in in my case a lot of damage from overbrushing a bit too eager with the toothbrush so uh yeah yeah it's not great it's not great and you just you know it's it's only going to get worse your, your teeth don't get better as you age um so anyway i have to be i'll be sitting in the dentist's chair in um in just under an hour and a half so hopefully hopefully he'll be kind i know it's a man hopefully he'll be kind to me so uh, so yes that means i'm on the clock and what usually happens when i say i'm on the clock is i usually run over and then i'll be tearing out the gate in my little vehicle to take me to the dentist and i'll arrive late there and i'll be in a bit of a state so it might not be a bad thing to to just keep things tight today um yeah so there you go i did listen this morning to to blind boy's latest uh episode of his podcast i can't remember if i was talking about blind boy last week or the week before but um as ever uh i, I do recommend listening to him he is a very distinctive character has a very distinctive take on on life on wellness on mental health he's very funny he's very smart he's very curious and what i value most is he's very real very authentic very open uh wears his vulnerability with great sort of dignity um and confidence uh which i i, I value highly um but he did a he did a very interesting episode this morning on why he is returning to to therapy uh to psychotherapy specifically and he was talking about how he values talk therapy so much and it'll be his first time to to go back in in about 10 years um and he was talking about the idea that a therapeutic space is 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 fundamentally about safety um i found myself sort of nodding in agreement and thinking yeah that's what that's what it should be isn't it now that said i think if you haven't been to therapy before that's um you know it, it, it's a relationship and it may not work the first or second or third or fourth time you might you know you might need to shop around and find a, a therapist and a form of therapy that best suit uh that best suits your needs um it's a dynamic and as much as there's probably a general template for what one would expect in a therapeutic setting particularly a one-on-one therapeutic setting um people are people and therapists psychologists psychiatrists 
counsellors, they're people too. Um, and they're imperfect too. And the, um, the you know, there, there's, a, there's a dynamic that always occurs between people. There's a dynamic that always occurs and we don't really have control of that. Um, and we may think we're putting something out there that people are going to respond to in, in a way that's favourable, in a way that makes us feel good. Um, but then we don't always know what we're unconsciously giving off. Um, and certainly, I, 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 you know, that was definitely a part of my, <laughs> my, <laughs> my maturation process or my um whatever was going on before the maturation happened um i just had this concept of myself as a young man um particularly when i was it when i was in university it was very evident and i just had this perception of myself as this hey i'm a happy-go-lucky guy i'm footloose and fancy free i haven't got a care in the world I've got a nice word for everyone. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Just spouting endless um, kind of empty platitudes um, at people who ever crossed my path. And yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) there was an authentic desire, I suppose, to be that, to appear to be that, to wear life lightly and to present a certain positivity a certain accessibility that hasn't entirely gone away <laughs> not entirely i mean you know it's in there somewhere in a in a back drawer but um yeah i mean it it it, it was a sort of an, an overcompensation for uh whatever pain <laughs> whatever pain and angst and and trauma i was not yet ready to to understand not yet ready to to process not yet ready to express um and i imagine in a very small university as it was of a couple of thousand people it may have been more than that then um i'm sure i wasn't alone (laughs) that's what you see isn't it when you go to university young people trying on adult shapes trying on personalities personas identities iterations of self and it's kind of fantastic and kind of excruciating but when you're there and you're in the middle of it yourself you know you're 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 not really aware of that um or certainly i don't think i was um i was just rolling with it rolling rolling with the experience and just feeling really really grateful to get away from the claustrophobia and the the limitations of the what you know what i felt were the limitations of the small town the small town large village experience where i had spent my entire education up until then um and it was was very very liberating and energizing to suddenly find yourself with young (laughs) young liberated people from the small towns and villages of ireland all congregating in this what i i still have enormous affection for this wonderful and peculiar (laughs) and idiosyncratic university that was maynooth university or saint patrick's college as it was also known um it was this sort of 
slightly scruffy outlier in the university fraternity of Ireland um, on the kind of the fringes of, of Dublin. And yeah, the um, the cliche that we all enjoyed as students was it was the easiest college to get into and, and the hardest one to leave. <laughs> and the hardest one to leave because it was so fun and cosy and intimate and also, we flattered ourselves uh, by saying, you know, that the the teaching staff at the at the university marked particularly hard. And yeah, you're here, but don't think you're going to just get away with coasting through this tertiary education. And I certainly, I I, <laughs> I came a cropper early on. I spiraled out disastrously in my first my first set of exams at the end of my first year in university, a total, total disaster. I just hadn't a clue. And, you know, I say that, and you go, well, what do you mean? How could you not have a clue? I mean, lectures and tutorials and work set and reading lists. I just couldn't get it together. And I had no excuse. I wasn't I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't take drugs. I was just this young Egypt trying to sleep with girls and get into the, the acting society and make friends and have experiences. <laughs> and um, I just didn't know how to sort of engage with the work in a, you know, in a serious way. And I was so ill-equipped. And the, the results really brought that home so thankfully thankfully I was able to repeat those exams over the summer and I, I regained entry successfully to, uh, to 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 my second year of my degree and I, I slowly improved slowly not massively slowly improved and I improved again in my third and final year and in my final exams I did not distinguish myself, but I passed. And it was only really then that I kind of was like, ah, okay, yeah, right. This is actually, you know, this requires work. This requires application. This requires discipline. And um, I think I was, just, I was just immature, fundamentally. I was young and dumb and just not ready for that part of it. And I was bitterly disappointed because I really wanted to stay on. All my friends, a lot of my friends were still, stayed on in college and did postgraduate qualifications. And I very much wanted to be a part of it. But they were like, get out. <laughs> You're shite. And I, um, I carried my little carcass down to Kilkenny City and licked my wounds there while I, I worked in a bookshop one of the, the, the family bookshops. Um, I can't remember if that was mentioned, if that's been mentioned at any point in the uh, the history of the podcast. But my family, my extended family, my grandmother opened a bookshop um, in the mid-70s, early to mid-70s. And then later on, one of her daughters and her daughter's husband bought out the company and expanded it and grew it. And it was... Yeah, it was one of Ireland's leading uh, independent booksellers. 
and that business was sold only a couple of years ago at the start of the pandemic um, to a larger chain and it's no longer a family business but I worked in one of the shops in Dublin uh, for a while when I was in college and then they opened a new shop down the country in Kilkenny and there was a historic family link to Kilkenny because my father's parents came from Kilkenny and um, so there was this sort of yeah historic link there and an affection for Kilkenny and at the time when I finished college I was going out my girlfriend at the time was from Kilkenny and she was back there so I moved down and worked in a new bookshop there for two years until I realized I don't want to do this I want to be an actor that was always the plan and my relationship broke up and I skedaddled over to England to do my acting training and then I had the last laugh now now look at me as I writhe around the floor covered in other people's bodies group soup in our in our blacks in our ballet shoes our dance shoes dancing writhing expressing ourselves wondering under a pile of bodies what the f does this have to do with making me a better actor oh great there's chris's johnson in my face again get off me (laughs) oh good luck good luck good luck um yeah so i don't know where i don't know where that came from what was i talking about blind boy expressing vulnerability therapy dynamics oh yeah yeah dynamics what what you're giving off what you think you're presenting to the world what's authentic what's real and that i mean that's um certainly that would be a tenet of how i think about wellness the closer you can live your day-to-day life the closer you can live that life to your authentic authentic self the happier you'll be i believe now i don't know do you have to qualify that and go well what if your authentic self is highly anxious depressed uh antisocial well can you live with that person can you be approving of that depressed anxious antisocial person or do you need to get help so i think it's healthier to to live with that person and go this is how i am and maybe i'm not sure how to fix this but i will seek counsel and i will try to acquire the tools and the strategies to help me live in now what word should we use to live in a a happier way a more joyful way a more accepting way a more resilient way i suppose you know resilience does come you know i mean resilience is brilliant like it's it's a great thing to cultivate a certain toughness a certain rigor a certain ability to not be knocked too easily by what life throws at us um and with resilience maybe perspective should be brought in like being able to to keep perspective um i think is a key aspect of resilience not losing the head i know when i'm in bad headspace personally 
I I have I think this is this is probably ramped up a little bit in recent years. If I get into bad headspace, um, and that's not necessarily enduring a, a depressive episode, but just maybe more in the anxiety area, I do find that of late I tend to catastrophize and just let things blow out of all proportion in my mind. And then that opens the door to the intensification of negative emotions, um, fear, anger, uh, anxiety, uncertainty, that feeling of uh, a loss of control, which, of course, for many people is a, a key component of of anxiety. Um, but I really I mean, I think it's something I'm, I'm, it's something I'm trying to work on at the moment to go when I'm dealing with something that's adverse, when I'm dealing with something that's troubling me, upsetting me, destabilizing me, can I pay a little bit more attention to what it is that allows me to accelerate that or exacerbate it and lean into the the catastrophic doomscape that will take over temporarily? Um because there's nothing enjoyable about that and on the other side of it i sort of feel a bit alienated from myself and think what the hell i mean how how did i let that in how did i validate that um and it's hard i mean that's look that's that's the nature that's the nature of a you know of negotiating anxiety it's the nature of negotiating the, the negative loop, which I, I spoke about a little bit at the start of, of last week's episode. But um, I am, I'm, I'm particularly interested at the moment um, in looking at that aspect of my own reaction. And I think that's what it is. It's a reaction. It's not a response. And, you know, you may roll your eyes. You might, you might roll your ears. Oh, Jesus. Um, I go it's just semantics it's just semantics but I disagree if we're talking about perceived threat and I'll just contextualise this for a second Uh, last night I was running the holistic self-defence course again and I was talking to the participants who were there um, they happened to be. I was. There were no male participants, as it happens. It's just women, but we were talking about attack situations and worst case scenarios and playing. You know, just talking through, talking through uh, a physical assault um, and the potential of a physical assault becoming a sexual assault, and talking about different ways of responding to that, different ways of dealing with that what the body can do how we try to how we try to sort of hijack or get in the way of the 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 adrenalized fear response which leads us to the fight flight or freeze response and trying to kind of get in the space through practice through habits through drills through repetition to go i have to go into agency here not passivity, where I just let myself react and let fear blow me off the face of the earth. 
but where I try to get in the space and go, I need to choose an action. I need to choose to act here or something really bad could happen. And you know, from a practical point of view, that, that would be a key component of self-defense conditioning. So one part is, yes, this is an attack that works. This is a defense that works. This is what you should do with your body, your arm, your head, your elbow, your fist, your knee. Um, and just repeat that action and drill it until you have the muscle memory and have a sense of, oh yeah, that works. I can do that. That's effective. But your brain um, will have a way of getting in the way of that and just letting you be overcome with the sense of fear, the sense of fright, the sense of helplessness, of powerlessness. And you may not feel able to use your body. And so we're trying to change the thinking change the thinking to I need to bypass or recognize the imperative recognize the how essential it is to go I'm not going to let the you know the fear I can acknowledge the fear and in the moment go oh my god this is happening this is a really scary situation but then through other conditioning go I am choosing to act I am choosing to respond I am choosing to yes defend myself here and i'm not going to give this victory to the attacker they're going to have to fight for it if i can avoid that if i can avoid the physical confrontation i'll get away from here but at that stage when the attack is actually happening it's probably too late so we the participants uh, and i were talking about this and playing it out and sort of looking at worst case scenarios and it's you know it's unpleasant stuff it's unpleasant stuff to talk about. It's confronting. It's challenging. However, that's also part of the conditioning to try and kind of gain a sort of a, a detachment um, and go more into practicality rather than staying in the emotional space. But it was interesting because we did, we played that out and spoke about it and we didn't role play anything, you know, uh, but then we went back to a much lower level form of attack which would be just a, a dispute in the workplace, um, you know, someone being snarky and making you feel bad in the workplace, that level of attack. And it was amazing to look at how the participants all just, their energy was transformed into, oh yeah, gosh, that doesn't feel like anything now. <laughs> after looking at the other situation, after looking at, um, you know, a really bad, a physical assault or a sexual assault and then bring it back to, oh, a bit of shittiness in the workplace, a bit of like low-level um, static, low-level friction in the workplace. Um, and it's it's not to minimize how that can also be a very serious situation, but by comparison, the perspective that that brought to to what we were talking about, I mean, I could see the energy in the room change. I could see the energy in the bodies of the participants, of the people there. I could see the energy change. And there was a sort of a, a lightness and a sort of a, a brightening and, yeah, a sense of power, a sense of, oh, actually, that situation's really manageable. The workplace situation, like that, that's far less scary and intimidating than a worst-case physical assault. Um, so it was, it was really, it was quite, it was quite useful to, to look at it that way. 
And I think that's probably what we all struggle to deal with ourselves, with our own battles. We struggle with the perspective thing because it's on. It's happening to us now, whatever we're dealing with. Um, And like I know I've got family members at the moment who are dealing with some pretty tough stuff and really, yeah, really challenging, confronting, um, life-altering scenarios are being played out. And it's it's really hard. Like when you're in that and there's a real, um, there's an unavoidable reality to it. Um, and all, all that can be done, I suppose, is to sort of, to keep getting up every day and breathing into it and hope you, you manage to keep it together. Um, and then choosing, choosing the moments to face into the, the most difficult aspect of what's been faced with, with the resources you feel are available to you at that time. Um, and I think that's, again, again, taking it back to the general, not the specific, but the idea of how do I choose to respond? Because often the reaction, the, you know, the reaction can be illustrative. The reaction, the instinctive instant reaction can give us a lot of information. It can tell us, well, the basic feeling here is fear or anger or disgust or um, whatever it might be, panic. But then how do I choose to react to that? Like, how do I choose? Okay, that's fine. I know this is really freaking me out. What's my best response now? What choice is going to help me most now? And what choice will help me least and that, I think if, if we can incorporate that way of thinking into our personal struggles, into our whatever we're wrestling with, dealing with, whatever demons we're facing, whatever life difficulties we're facing, that it's not, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a cure-all. Uh, it's certainly not just a placebo. But it is definitely a strategy that can help us just be a little bit more practical in how we deal with things. Um, and like I know, for example, if I'm if I'm in bad headspace and struggling with something, uh, I'll find myself, my, my thinking getting worse as the night goes on, as I get more tired and less less yeah less clear in my thinking i suppose or less disciplined is probably a better word less disciplined in my thinking i can that's that's definitely the the it's definitely where the wedge can get in and open me up to as i said before the sort of the doomscape they're like everything's everything's effed nothing good nothing good can come from this um and so for me, just being observant, being cognizant of that pattern, I have to try to incorporate the strategy. Now, the strategy would be, well, if you sit up late 
this is just going to roll and roll and you're going to get yourself into a state. So either make the decision to park it and read a book or watch something or just take your ass to bed, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> I'm not very good at that option because I, I like to, you know, I like that kind of late night time, uh, the pre, you know, the two or three hours before bed, if I can do something pleasant like reading, watching a movie, watch a show, or if I can be productive, even better. That's my ultimate one always. If I can actually be blooming productive, write something, record something, create something, that's that's really my best medicine. Um, because I I probably I probably wouldn't choose to do exercise at that time. Probably you know because I've done my exercise for the day, and one of the reasons I do the exercises so I can kind of in my back of my mind go cool I've looked after the body today and I know by looking after the body I'm doing good things for the brain as well very simply um, and how much worse off would I be if I hadn't done anything today so again putting in place a practical response don't just roll on the wave of reactivity of reaction where you're just buffeted by the perceived threat. You're buffeted by the scenario, the situation that's playing out, and you don't have any control. Now, okay, let's let's just look at that as let, let's look at that as a potential response. If you can mindfully and I mean I'm not recommending this, I don't think. Again, it depends on the situation. If you can mindfully go, it's okay. I don't have control here. I'm going to allow myself to be buffeted and I won't judge my reaction. I won't judge it. I'm just going to flow with it and go with it. I mean, yeah, maybe. You know, very zen. Um, and fair play to you, I think, if you can do that. Because um, maybe what I'm advocating more consistently is a vain attempt at control and it, it's a sort of an attempt at self-control which i think is very important for our sense of of wellness um and and, and, and you know bringing bringing to ourselves a sense of agency bringing to ourselves a sense of i have got choices i can choose to do something here i'm not helpless um, and I think the idea of helplessness is probably very recognisable to a lot of people, who, and particularly in the last few years. I think the, the pandemic um, has had a huge negative impact on people's mental health and powerlessness. And then coming on the back of the pandemic, there just seems to be a, a worsening economic crisis around the world. Um, and it really, yeah, it, there, there are very challenging circumstances out there for a lot of people um so yeah so so again the, the that that zen approach of just rolling with it i remember I, i've told you that I've, I've mentioned this before it's 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 a famous um well, maybe it's not that famous it's a story from the making of the exorcist william friedkin's horror movie after the the William Peter Blatty Blatty novel The Exorcist and the movie at the end of the movie the 
the, 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 the main protagonist of the movie, takes into himself Satan. Takes Satan into himself so he's possessed. And then throws himself out of a, whatever, two, three-story window onto an outdoor flight of concrete steps and rolls down the steps and dies. Um, and therefore, Satan has no body to go into then. And that's his way of rescuing the, the, the girl um, who, who who's possessed. But the making of The Exorcist, some DVD I watched years ago, um, there was an interview with the stuntman who basically said the only way to survive that stunt of jumping out the window onto the concrete steps is to embrace the idea of total non-resistance and to just let the body go with it. Um, Now those steps were covered in like an inch of rubber I think as well but still they're concrete steps. So I know I've mentioned that before at some point on the podcast but that I always thought that was a very very powerful a very powerful anecdote. Um, Powerful anecdotes by Dara Clear via other people um but that idea of total non-resistance is again it, i guess it works if you're bringing a sort of a, a mindfulness to it like a real presence of understanding that's okay i'm not going to i'm not going to fight this i'm not going to try and control the uncontrollable I'm just going to I'm just going to be I'm just going to let it do what it has to do um, again it's it, it's a very powerful idea but I, I personally I, I'd find that very challenging um, and I'm you know I'm not saying one way or another if it's if it's good or bad but I think you know when we talk about these things it's easy just to take these things as sacred wisdom and kind of platitude platitudinize them and go oh yeah well then do this and yeah that'll work and then you'll be happy i really don't believe that i think we all have to find our own way we all have to find the recipe of self-care that best suits us that suits our personality that suits our history that suits our particular circumstances and that suits our resources at that time um and so if i go back to what blind boy was talking about on his podcast earlier this morning you know he's basically saying i need to go back to therapy because my tools, which are considerable, uh, my tools that I have for my mental health regime, my mental health maintenance, while they're very good and while I have a lot of stuff at my disposal, they're not really working anymore. And so I need the outside eye. I need the extra help. I need the professional space. And I need, in his case, he said, he I, I need to be heard. I need to be heard and I need to hear my words repeated back to me 
because I might be better able to validate them then because my self-talk, and again, I'm paraphrasing what he said today, go and listen to his podcast. That's the best thing to do. Uh, basically saying like his own positivity mantra or wellness mantra to himself. He said he's deep down, he's not really buying it. And so he needs help to sort of recalibrate. Um, and yeah, I've no doubt, you know, well, I know who knows, but like based on how he comes across in his podcast, anyway, I'm sure he will make the most of um, of that experience and, and best of luck to him. And, and you know, and, and also great, well done to him as well for speaking so, for speaking so sort of honestly about such things. Anyway, there you go. So um, I think that's all I have to say on that for now. Coping, coping mechanisms, responding, not reacting, and stepping into that space where reaction is going to kick you into the spiral and having conscious choices, bringing intentionality to your response system. Um, yeah, it may take practice. It may take discipline. It may come very easily to you. It may not come easily to you at all. All options are available. Total catastrophic failure is also available. Always. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Good luck. Good luck. I see the... Uh, the midterm elections are happening in the states. Um, I, 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 the, the headlines seem to indicate that things are going well for the Democrats. Um, but when I looked at the numbers, it, it, it didn't look particularly impressive. But then, th that that probably exposes the poverty of my knowledge of the American political system and um, what's going on over there. So, uh, yeah. I, I think I feel like I heard Trump banging on about something last week with his usual uh, bellicose grandiosity and self-aggrandizing crap. So uh, he he and his influence continue continue to be a worry, I think, and continue to be a continue to be a threat to American political stability. And American social stability, more importantly. Um, like again, like that. It's amazing, really. Like what you know, what, what really, what really sort of encourages or opens a pathway to real social cohesion. I mean, last year, I feel, I think it was around this time last year, I, I did an episode on, on leadership and I was railing against the, the poverty of political leadership in recent times and how the sort of falling away of strong sort of leftist or socialist voices, um, certainly political voices that really value the benefit for all members of society, which, you know, political voices that value um, greater accessibility to healthcare, education, um, 
and value the opening up of pathways for the the most vulnerable in society those voices seem to have become so quiet um and meanwhile on the other side of the political divide the the voices of the right so to speak um ever grow ever louder or have been growing ever louder now that said bolsonaro the the, the the president of Brazil he just got um, he just lost his position um, and has been replaced by oh, I can't even remember then the name of the politician who's succeeding him but that was a, a blow to some of these um, populist leaders uh, these kind of strong men populist leaders I mean Bolsonaro this is a guy who really wreaked havoc during the pandemic in Brazil by by being a sort of by being an anti-vaxxer and huge huge numbers of 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 deaths in Brazil um i think very much influenced by or affected by his his position um just a not a very not a very good guy it would seem um so maybe, maybe, maybe the tide is turning. Maybe there's going to be a shift back to something a bit more balanced. Maybe there's going to be a shift back to a bit more, um, a bit more planning for for everyone. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. You get someone like Elon Musk completing his takeover of Twitter and immediately uh, cutting uh, loads of people now. Don't get me wrong, I'm not sure if I feel that sorry for people who work for big tech. Um, I think they're probably doing very well for themselves. Um, but still in all, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I kind of, ultimately, I don't spend too much time thinking about this stuff because that's my choice. <laughs> that's my response. I go, is this choice going to help me? Is knowing more about Elon Musk's uh, strategy his plan for Twitter is that going to help me is knowing what Trump is doing is that choice going to help me or is it just going to get in my head and irritate me and upset me and raise my blood pressure and make me furious with the world and make me furious with the state of things where is a better place to direct my energy and um that would be that would be another one of my strategies personally for trying to stay on the right track with my own my own journey and with with the journey of those closest to me where is the best place to direct the energy where should i be applying what i've got um and that that's up for negotiation. That is an ongoing challenge and it's an ongoing debate. And I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't freak out about it. I enjoy, there's a, you know, I'm lucky in that I've made choices that have allowed me to, to use my experience, my skill set. I, kind of, I don't really like that phrase, skill set. It's a bit gammy, isn't it? But to use the things I'm good at. Um, 
I've made choices to allow me to kind of put that energy and to put those skills and to put that experience and most importantly to put that sort of interest and and passion into things I like doing and the podcast is one of those things um but it's a the whole the whole picture is incomplete because I need more from a you know from a practical point of view from a financial return point of view I need to be doing this in an area that puts more in in the in the bank balance um and so that's uh that really is i think the the missing piece in a big in a big way actually i need to look at that i mean as i've said before a few times now this year um <laughs> i think it's time to return to the stage <laughs> um yeah that's uh that's in the mix that's that's in my thinking there's um there's definitely opportunities out there. There's definitely opportunities out there for a guy with teeth like mine. With teeth and a chin like mine. Who's that? Oh, that's the guy with the teeth and the chin. No, his teeth are fine. Oh no, look closer. He's an overbrusher. Oh, perfect. That's just what we need for this role. <laughs> Enter Michael <laughs> with toothbrush and bleeding gums. <laughs> Michael pinches his chin between his thumb and forefinger <laughs> um yeah anyway the there there's stuff being made there's stuff being made over here so that was one of my one of my projects one of my projects for a while the the girls were away the girls being my wife and daughter um they're away in australia at the moment as i've mentioned and um incidentally today is my mother-in-law's birthday and by the time she listens to this, it might have been a couple of days ago. Um, so, Anita, happy birthday. Happy 80th birthday. That's uh, that's no small thing. That's a great achievement. Um, great to get to that age in, in good health. Sound of body and mind, I hope. Only you can answer that question. But um, I'm delighted for you that you're out there and joined by um, joined by your daughter and granddaughter. The women in my life who are not currently in my life they're currently in your life so enjoy having them there and um, enjoy the the good times together and yeah many many happy returns on your on your birthday um so yeah one of the things i was planning for when uh when the the girls were away i was thinking i'll get some new headshots done and start uh <laughs> start throwing myself around for a bit of acting work uh, as I said I've been talking about this for most of this year and I keep putting it off for some reason um, not sure what that reason is I'm quite comfortable with the idea and I feel like I've got something to offer <laughs> I tell you what if you're looking for um, a really nice interview with a member of the the community of, of of thespians you could do far worse than listen to adam buxton's interview with richard e grant um richard e grant the swazi english actor you're going what originally from swaziland 
Uh, Richard E. Grant has written a book called A Pocket Full of Happiness. Uh, I'm sorry, I say with hesitation there. No, A Pocket Full of Happiness, that's what it's called. And um, it's basically his account of his late wife's um, diagnosis and subsequent uh, death from, from, from lung cancer. Um, and so I guess he's doing the rounds promoting that. But he, he has a great interview with Adam Buxton on, on his podcast. And he comes across really well, very funny, and just has that very distinctive voice. Um, that lovely Richard E. Grant voice. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. Um, but very funny. And yeah, just a very nice very nice interview adam buxton has a great way of kind of getting into the the personal stuff like i said another you know like i say about mark Marin as well these guys who great interviewers um very very em- empathetic and intuitive uh in terms of getting to the sort of the intimate stuff with their with their guests but um i highly recommend listening to that um and lot you know quite a few quite a few little juicy hollywood anecdotes so um there you go check that out okay look i think i'm going to leave it there so um miraculously i'm going to bring this in under an hour although actually by the time the intro is added um it'll go just over an hour but um that's quite a good achievement i think so there you go i'll have to work out what i spoke about i think largely it ended up being about mental health management and wellness management so that's consistent that's consistent with the the theme of the tell. This is, after all, a podcast dedicated to explorations of wellness, explorations of coping with what life throws at us, explorations of finding ways to to do better, I suppose. I mean, I hesitate. Do better. That's a bit aspirational. I don't think I'm aspirational. <laughs> I think aspirational is a dirty word. That's um, maybe that's a bit warped. I don't know. Um, anyway, there you go. Okay, listen. You can, as always, throw me some love on social media. Go and find the Clear Out podcast. I mean, all the links are there wherever you're listening to this: Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, Instagram. Um, share the love. Share the episode. Like the episode subscribe to the podcast leave a review that would be wonderful um and of course if you use either the supporter link which should be there in the description of the episode or if you use the patreon link that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out you can contribute to the podcast financially and help sustain this creative enterprise um yeah so if you're getting something from it if you enjoy it if it's diverting if it's interesting if it's amusing if it's something that's meaningful to you in any way if it's something that you find yourself bumping onto a friend you could you could consider throwing a few bob at it once a month i mean you're literally talking a few euros a few dollars nothing nothing mega but it would make a big difference to me and sort of help me feel more committed and restore my faith in the the long-term prospects of the podcast 
So it's just a, it's just an endorsement, really, isn't it? Um, so anyway, that's grand if you have it and you're so inspired, fantastic. If you don't have it, don't worry about it. And if you're not inspired, don't tell anyone. If anybody asks, it's brilliant, deadly. Oh my god, go and check it out. It's fantastic. He's a lovely fella. Okay, on that very positive note, the high approval rating I try to give myself on a daily basis. We will finish up. Hope you enjoyed what you heard and catch you again next time. Take care. Take it easy. Be responsive, not reactive and mind yourselves. All the best. See you. Bye.